Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. Yeah, let's just rock, baby. With you until midnight. If you want to wait on the Red Sox, they are now one and three. Are you worried about this team? 617-779-7937, the number. Plus, if you want to wait on the Celtics, did they do the right thing by getting the two seed and winning yesterday? That's on the table as well. It's 617-779-7937. So in all likelihood... The Celtics will be playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round because the Nets are playing the Cavaliers. They're without Jared Allen. Evan Mobley's back for them, but he has not been particularly good. He doesn't look like the same guy right now after he's coming back from an injury. Uh, One thing real briefly, quick, just as a digression. You realize, like, the play-in stats, they exist, like, in their own stratosphere, so to speak. Like, so Jason Tatum, remember, had the 50-point game last year against the Wizards. Those stats don't go into his playoff stats. They don't go into his regular season stats. They just exist in their own universe, the play-in tournament. So Jason Tatum is definitively, as of right now, the best play-in player in the history of the play-in tournament. Unless something crazy happens tomorrow, like if Paul George goes for 50 or Kevin Durant goes for 50, right now, Jason Tatum has the claim to fame. He's the best play-in player of all time. So tomorrow that game is the Nets and the Cavaliers, and the Celtics get the winner of that one. So the Celtics' choice was, hey, we'll take the two seed, which is kind of weird to me. The reason I say that is because didn't it feel like last week the Celtics were playing to avoid the Nets? They go to Milwaukee, they rest Al, and they rest Jason Tatum. Now, Jalen Brown played, but I felt like Jalen Brown playing in that game, and remember that was last Thursday, was more so about his bonus. He has a bonus in his contract for 65 games played. So I felt like Jalen was on the court for that. And I also thought that Jalen was going to play like two minutes and come out. Kind of like what we saw. Who was it yesterday that did that? Somebody did that in a game yesterday. Played like a minute and then was came it out. Holiday? Yes, it was Drew Holiday. Yeah, he played like, he literally followed the guy. Like right after the tip, he followed the guy. He just needed to get like a game a games played bonus. I think it was four seconds he was in total and just wrapped up a quick foul and they all gave him a standing ovation and he got off the court. It was yeah. easy as that. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But Jalen Brown, I felt like that was going to happen. It didn't. So then we get closer to the weekend and... You kind of realize that it's Philly, Milwaukee, and the Celtics all sort of bunched up together in that two to four range. And quite frankly, I thought that the Celtics, because of the decision they made against Milwaukee, they were going to try to make sure that they avoided the Nets in the first round. And then we find out, all right, Milwaukee's not playing its guys against Cleveland. 
And the Celtics knew that. The Celtics were playing at 7. Milwaukee was playing in the afternoon. I believe that was like a 1 or a one thirty start because when I was doing the Red Sox pregame show here yesterday, at the pregame show started at 6. So maybe that was a 4 o'clock game. Whatever it was, it wrapped up right before. The, yeah, so it must have been like a 4 o'clock start because during the pregame show, I gave the update of the Bucks had lost to the Cavaliers. So that means that the Bucks. Right now, the Celtics have to lose if they wanted to go behind the Bucks in the standing. So the Bucks had decided, okay, we are avoiding the Brooklyn Nets. So the Celtics still decide to play their guys. Now, Philadelphia, this is another interesting note. There's so many different dimensions to this story because Philadelphia decides they're not playing their guys either. Or I should say, Philadelphia decides to play their guys. They Did they play in beat? They still won. I don't know if they played their guys or not. But Philadelphia, it felt like Philly wanted to see what the Celtics are doing, but it didn't really matter for Philadelphia because Philly wasn't in control of its own destiny. The Celtics were. So Philadelphia ends up winning its game, and they didn't play Harden or Embiid, and they still beat Detroit. Detroit, by the way, so this is another wrinkle to this whole thing. This is why this day was horrible for the NBA. It was, quite frankly, an embarrassment because you really didn't have a game where two teams were trying to win. You had some teams that were tanking for different reasons. You had situations where one team was tanking, the other team wasn't tanking, but Philadelphia sat Harden and Embiid. They still beat Philadelphia. Or, excuse me, they still beat Detroit. That'd be interesting if they beat themselves. They still beat Detroit, and Detroit sat Cade Cunningham. The reason that Detroit sat Cade Cunningham was to make sure that they got the draft pick that they wanted or at least stayed in the best odds. They sat the best player on their team because of that reason, right? And, look, I understand why they did that, et cetera. But the point being is that last day of the NBA season should be exciting. It wasn't at all because you didn't really have a real game anywhere. You didn't have one of those games, right? So, anyway, so... Philadelphia is still trying to win that game against Detroit. Besides, they sit there, guys, but they're still trying to win. The reason being is because Maxi can't play in Toronto. Maxi is their best perimeter defender. And the Philadelphia 76ers had just gone to Toronto on Thursday, and they lost that game to the Raptors without Maxi. And by the way, Toronto didn't have Fred Van Fleet or OG Ananobi in that game, and they still lost with Harden and Bede. Harden only had 14 points in that game. He sucked. He's basically sucked for, like, the majority of his time in Philadelphia. He had four good games to start. He's sucked ever since. But nonetheless, so they did not want to play Toronto. And, by the way, the whole Thibel situation is absolutely perplexing to me. Do you realize that Thibel got one of the shots? He got one Pfizer shot, and he just didn't get the other one. Like, I understand people that don't want the vaccine. It's your decision, whatever. But he got one shot. So if you got one shot, why wouldn't you just get the other shot? I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Like, as I said, I understand people are like, yeah, I'm not getting a vaccine, whether it's for a health reason, whether you just don't want to get the vaccine. Like, I understand people making decisions that they don't want a vaccine. I myself got the vaccine and got the booster, but I understand people that didn't get the vaccine. But I don't. this is, like, incredibly confusing to me. I don't know anybody that has gotten one vaccine shot. Who the hell does that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, that's totally different. That's a Philadelphia situation. So then the Celtics, if they wanted to tank that game last night to the Grizzlies, and by the way, maybe they couldn't because although the Grizzlies were punchy in that game, the Grizzlies sat the majority of their team as well. John Morant wasn't playing. Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't playing. They sat most of their guys as well. Steven Adams, as you all know from watching the game last night. So the Celtics, I guess they still could have possibly won if they sat the majority of their guys. But the Celtics decide to win the game. So 
After the game, obviously, you heard Ime Adoka earlier saying that they were just worried about themselves. The Celtics are worried about themselves. But I do wonder this. We know that Al Horford is vaccinated. He came out and he said it. So he would be good to go against the Toronto Raptors. We don't know about Jalen Brown's situation. It would appear to me that he's not vaccinated because if he was vaccinated, why wouldn't he save himself the trouble and just come out and say I'm fully vaccinated? So I wonder if that's what factored in to the Celtics' decision. Now, part part of it is idiotic rules there in Canada that the players all have to be vaccinated to play, right? I mean, pretty much idiotic. I mean, we've changed here with the whole Kyrie Irving situation. I never understood the Kyrie, not to stick up for Kyrie, but I never understood the situation in New York to begin with. Why did it make sense that visiting players that were unvaccinated could play against the Brooklyn Nets, but Kyrie Irving couldn't play? That, to me, just makes no sense whatsoever. And remember, Kyrie Irving really made a mockery of that law, or whatever it is, mandate. Kyrie Irving literally went to the game as a fan. (laughs) So, I mean, that was a complete joke to begin with. But anyway, I'm wondering if Jalen Brown, if we knew he was fully vaccinated with the Celtics and won the game yesterday. Because then you could have dropped all the way to the four spot. And really, if you look at it, you would have played Toronto in the first round, and then you get the Heat in the second round. So was that really why the Celtics did this? Or was it because the Celtics just have this attitude, this bravado, which I don't hate, by the way, of, hey, we'll play whoever comes out of that play-in game. We'll play whoever. Is that the attitude of the Celtics? Because... I do feel like it's a little bit different from Milwaukee comparing them to the Celtics. It's not like, hey, Milwaukee did the smart thing, the Celtics did the dumb thing. Remember, Milwaukee did the opposite of this last year. Milwaukee as a team had a meeting last year because the previous season when they were in the Orlando bubble, they were swept by the Miami Heat. So at the end of the season last year, the Bucks had the ability to kind of manipulate and maneuver where they wanted to go in the standings. They had a meeting as a team. And the meeting was, hey, do we want the heat or not? Do we want to avoid the heat? Front office, coaches, and players, they had a meeting. And they said, no, we want them. Like, we want our opportunity to take on that team. And this year, a little bit different for the Bucs, who are coming off a championship. One of their toughest series last year, if not their toughest series last year, of course, was against the Brooklyn Nets. So maybe they looked at it. And remember, the the Bucs right now are not as equipped to guard Kevin Durant as they were a year ago. They don't have P.J. Tucker anymore. He's now playing for the Miami Heat. They don't really have a legitimate guy to put on Kevin Durant. And the reason I say that is, well, you say, oh, Giannis was a defensive player of the year. Yeah, they don't use Giannis that way. They use Giannis more similar to the way that the Celtics use Robert Williams. They like Giannis to be a roamer and a rover, to be more of a help defender than an on-ball defender. They won't put Giannis on Kevin Durant. Remember this whole controversy with the Bucs a couple of years ago when the Bucs were losing to the Toronto Raptors in the postseason And Giannis is getting asked the questions, why aren't you covering Kawhi? That's not how they play. That's not their system. That's not how Giannis plays. They like him to roam. They like him to be the free safety, so to speak. So they don't play that way. And this year, they don't have anybody to put on Kevin Durant. Chris Middleton, no. Way too small. Like, they don't have defenders that they can put on Kevin Durant. Pat Connaughton, no. Like, they don't have that type of player. So maybe they looked at it from a Milwaukee perspective. They're confident as all. they're as confident as anybody because they're coming off a championship and they're looking for the easiest road, right? They're not looking for, like last year, they're looking for revenge against Miami. Maybe the Celtics are in the place that the Bucs were last year where they say, hey, we want to take out Kevin Durant. We want to take out Kyrie Irving. We feel confident that we can go after those guys. And the Bucs are like, yeah, we've been here. 
We won the championship last year. We already beat the Nets. We know we really don't have a defender that can match up with Kevin Durant. When the Celtics have guys they can throw at Kevin Durant, better equipped than the Bucs do, and the Bucs look at it, it's like, yeah, maybe we just avoid that matchup. And they get the easiest matchup in the first round, which is the Bulls. Look, and maybe this is all a moot point, and it's not a big controversy after the Celtics beat the Nets in the first round of the postseason. But from my perspective, it's not cowardly. It's not soft to make your road as easy as it possibly could be. And I do feel like the Celtics made things a little bit more difficult. Now, I would still favor the Celtics over the Brooklyn Nets, but that's a much more difficult matchup of the first round than the Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls. Now, Toronto has played better than the Nets in the second half of the season. No doubting that. Chicago sucks. I mean, that's definitely the worst of the three teams right now. But I would have just, if I'm the Celtics, I would have lost yesterday, and I would have set up a first-round matchup with, the Toronto Raptors, if that's ultimately that's what it would have ended up being because, of course, you had the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Chicago Bulls. Now, I don't know if the Celtics are telling us the whole truth when they say, hey, we were just worried about ourselves. We're not scared of anybody, essentially, is like what's coming out of the Celtics' mouths right now. They weren't trying to avoid anybody. They're not trying to duck anybody. But I would really like to inject somebody with truth serum and find out, hey, if Jalen Brown was fully vaccinated, if we knew for a fact that Jalen Brown was fully vaccinated, would you have lost you would have played the Toronto Raptors in the first round? Because I feel like that's the easiest road to the NBA Finals, and it's not soft to take the easiest road. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you want to win in the Red Sox starting the season 1-3, and three, I'm not worried, are you? That's on the table. If you want to react to the Celtics deciding to get the number 2 seed rather than dropping down to the number 4 seed and in all likelihood playing the Nets in the first round, that's on the table as well. One thing I think really does benefit the Celtics about playing the Nets, I'll tell you what that is next here on EEI. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. WEEI. This is WEEI Late Night. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, welcome in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. 617-779-7937, the number. The Sox on the table all night long. Are you disappointed with the 1-3 and three loss? Are you panicking? I'm certainly not because the biggest issue with this team right now is they're not hitting. The bullpen has been pretty good. Brazier notwithstanding and Deekman on Friday, but Deekman was great last night. Michael Walker threw the ball well tonight, so I'm not overly concerned right now with the Red Sox team. I think they're going to hit. I guarantee they're going to hit. Like, the lineup is too good to continue to hit the way that they've been hitting. But also the Celtics on the table as well. Do you think they made a mistake by grabbing the two seed instead of falling to the four seed? 617-779-7937 is the number. So a couple of things I want to mention here about, first of all, just from a standpoint of overcoming the beast, if you will. And look, the Nets have not been great this season. They have been one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. I mean, I slightly exaggerate, but they are 20th in the NBA in defense this year, 112.3 rating. And with Kyrie Irving on the court this season, they have been 
basically unguardable from a defensive perspective. So there are numbers with Kyrie on the floor. A 121.1 offensive rating. The Jazz lead the league with a 116.2 offensive rating. So basically they're four points better than the best offense in the league with Kyrie on the floor. But here's the other thing. The Nets defense with Kyrie on the floor. A 115.6 rating. Only the Rockets and the Blazers posted a worse rating than that on the season. So they're like one of the worst defenses in the league with Kyrie, but one of the best offenses in the league with Kyrie. So, yeah, they have a bad defense. They have a good offense. And they don't really have any defenders besides Kevin Durant. Nobody on that team plays defense. I guess Bruce Brown plays some defense. But really, they're dealing with injuries, too. We don't know what's going to happen with the Ben Simmons. I don't believe in this whatsoever, this whole idea that Ben Simmons could come back at some point. So Ben Simmons, who hasn't played all season long, he got an epidural in his back. Like, this isn't a fake injury. The guy legitimately got an epidural. I have no faith whatsoever that Ben Simmons is going to be available to play in the postseason. And if he does in the first round against the Celtics, you're going to put that guy out on the court for 25, 30 minutes against Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown when he hasn't played all season long. I just feel like it doesn't behoove the Nets to do that. This guy, we all already know, He's been dealing with stuff from a mental perspective. There's no way he's going to be out in that series in a big moment like this and have the ability to cover Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I understand he's a great defender, but no way that could happen. No way that they're going to trot that guy out there for that type of situation, knowing his situation, knowing what he's... And look, some of it is self-imposed. The guy didn't dunk against the Bucs in a playoff series. I don't see him being available. So this team, from a defensive perspective, is absolutely angel food cake. They are unbelievably soft. And I do think there is a certain element with the Celtics of beating one of, if not the best player in the NBA in Kevin Durant, a team that you lost to last year, four games to one. And I understand the point that Jalen Brown wasn't there, but beating that team and beating Durant specifically, especially for Tatum, where Tatum talked to Draymond Green on his podcast, like that was a big moment for him when Kevin Durant was mad at him for not shooting in a scrimmage. Like, Kevin Durant's like, no, I need you to shoot. I need you to be a killer. Like, that whole idea of Jason Tatum now going head-to-head with that guy and the Celtics, who have a much better team, beating that team in a playoff series, I think that would be huge in terms of boosting this team's confidence. Now, from my perspective, I don't think the Celtics did the right thing. I would have taken the easiest road, but I do understand how beating the Nets in a postseason series could help this team tremendously in terms of the growth. You take out Kevin Durant, you take on Kyrie Irving, or take out Kyrie Irving, rather, even if you have the significantly better team. I think that's a huge thing for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown if they can actually do that and execute that. So I do understand that element to it. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Chris in Alabama. What's up, Chris? So I want to talk about with the Red Sox, how I know they're – Hitting isn't very good, and I think it's a little concerning that you heard every report from everyone saying how, coming out of spring training, how the batters were significantly ahead of the pitchers. Yep. And how it seems like all these all these pitchers have been dominating Red Sox in a sense. Uh, no, it's a fair point. I mean, most people thought that the offenses would be ahead of the pitching staffs, and with the Red Sox, it's sort of been the opposite. But are you I mean, concerned about that long-term, Chris? Do you think, like, Kike Hernandez is going to continue to struggle for the majority of the season? Uh, Devers has been good. J.D. had the home run tonight. But are you overly concerned that this offense is not going to hit? I mean, overall, I don't think I am because, I mean, based on what everyone has done previously, 
I have faith that they will figure it out. But, I mean, it is just something to look at that pitch, pitching their own face is only, only going to get better. And they're struggling to hit this. Yeah, I just I can't get on board with that, Chris. I'm not concerned about this offense long term. Look, it's aggravating. It's frustrating that they're not hitting right now. But I can't get on board with because they're struggling now, they're going to struggle when the pitching gets better. I just don't see that being the case. I feel like they have too many good offensive players. They have Story. They have J.D. They have Bogarts. They have Devers, Kike Hernandez. Verdugo's actually swinging the bat real well. I'm not concerned about it. And would you ever consider, I'm not saying rooting against Bogarts, but if he doesn't have a great year, um, have the potential of him not wanting to opt out of his contract? I mean, I think the only way that would happen, Chris, if it was like some sort of injury. All right. Appreciate the call, yeah. man. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Yeah, Bogarts is opting out of his contract. Him and Scott Boris have basically said as much. And I do think that Bogarts would have come back for less money than the Corey Seager deal, everything that they've been putting out there, like that's the deal they want similar to. I just feel like obviously the Red Sox offer to Bogarts, or at least the negotiating the process, it's been way too low in terms of what Bogarts and Scott Boris want. I think it's to the point where Bogarts looks at it and it's like almost disrespectful, whatever the Red Sox offer is, right? Because I do think that Bogarts wants to be here long-term. He wants to retire a member of the Red Sox organization. He loves being here. He's made that abundantly clear. I do believe that he wants to be here. And it's just he can't go so low where it affects his pride, right? It's like how much can they – or excuse me, how big of an advantage can you get, right? How big of an advantage can the Red Sox get over Bogarts because he wants to be here so bad? And it feels like – and look, I understand where the Red Sox are coming from, right? But it does feel like – it's almost like they're preying on that. The fact that Bogarts wants to be here long-term, wants to be a member of the organization, took a hometown discount last time around. It's almost as if the organization is preying on that. They're saying, oh, yeah, you want to be here long-term? Well, this is what we're willing to offer you. And then you come back to the whole idea of, well, is Bogarts willing to move positions long-term? Now, look, Alex Cora said, During spring training, him and Devers worked on their first step, and they improved in that. And obviously, Devers has been way better defensively to start this season. He's been flat-out outstanding. But I don't believe that Bogarts is going to be a shortstop long-term. So that's why I feel like this whole market that Scott Boris and Xander Bogarts, or mainly Boris, is telling Bogarts, but the market that is supposed to be there for Bogarts in the offseason, I believe somebody's going to pay him. I do. But I don't believe it's going to be this like incredible market where he's got a bunch of bidders going after. I just don't see it, especially considering the fact that he's going into a free agency class that could have Carlos Correa. Remember, Correa could opt out of his contract this year. Not to mention the fact that Trey Turner becomes a free agent as well after the season, unless the Dodgers work something out with him. And look, from a resume perspective, Bogarts is a better player than Turner. But you can definitely convince yourself this offseason that Turner's the better guy to sign long-term. He's a better defensive player right now. So I don't believe that market's going to be there for Bogarts. And if Bogarts really does want an 8- to a 10-year contract, I believe the Red Sox are doing the right thing not giving him that contract extension. The guy that I would be focusing on, the guy that I would like to get a deal done with, is Rafael Devers. He's In his 25-year-old season right now, What you want to do with Rafael Devers is buy out those prime years. Like, for example, Bogarts is not going to get any better than he is right now. He's a very good player, and I don't mean that as an indictment. 
but he's 29. He's not going to get better. Rafael Devers, this in all likelihood is going to be his best season. I mean, the guy hit 54 doubles when he was 22 years old. He's now in his 25-year-old season. He's, in my opinion, going to be the MVP of the American League. So when I look at it in that context, Devers is getting better. Devers hasn't hit his prime yet. He hasn't peaked yet when Bogarts has. That's why it just behooves the organization to get Devers locked up long-term, pay for his prime years. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Bob. He's in Quincy. What's up, Bob? Hi. Um, I'm not sure if you said this already, uh, but I think they might have, the Celtics might have won that game because of getting home court all the way through if Miami loses. Yeah, So and getting home court against the Bucks in the second round, you think, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that might have been an important thing for them. Yeah, it's a fair point because, I mean, if you really think about it, the Celtics do have, and I'm not just saying this because I'm doing a show here in Boston, Bob, but – the Celtics do have one of the best home court advantages in the NBA, and they played really well at home. They're 28-13, and 13 rather, at home, and they're 23-18 and 18 yep. on the road. So they've played tr- – and look, they've been great on the road as well, especially. They've been great in general since the turn of the new year, but that may be it. They may say, hey, if we got to go to Game 7 against Giannis and Middleton and that group, we'd rather have it on our home floor. You could be on to something with that. Yeah, well, thank you very much. The other thing I wanted, point I wanted to make was I watched the interview with Stanton, and the Yankees didn't sign him long-term, and I could see Bogart and, and Stanton Shoes just, I mean, they're in the same situation. You mean Judge, Judge. The Red Sox, really more, don't give Bogart's long-term contract. It's crazy. You mean Judge, right, Bob? But I mean Judge, I'm sorry. Judge. Yeah, that, I mean that was something else the other day, though, I'll yeah. tell you that. Appreciate the yeah. call, Bob. Yeah. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. That was... I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. So Cashman comes out, <laughs> if you don't know what Bob's alluding to, Cashman comes out the other day, and he tells you exactly what the deal is. He tells you the exact terms in terms of the annual average salary. He says it's $213.5 million. Essentially, it'll bring him up to, I believe it was $250 million total. Cashman legitimately went out to the podium after Aaron Judge, just like Bogarts, just like Devers did. They put this deadline on extension talks opening day that was the deadline for Aaron Judge just like it was for Devers just like it was for Bogarts although I never really believed that to be the case like if the organization went to Devers and said hey we're going to pay you more than Bryce Harper I'm pretty sure that Devers representation would talk to them about that right so I never believe in these self-imposed deadlines if you will but the fact that the Yankees and Judge couldn't come to an agreement on an extension and then (laughs) Brian Cashman goes out publicly and just basically says everything that happened in the negotiating process and the fact that, hey, the Yankees came to this number and Aaron Judge said no. Judge was pissed about it after the game. Judge was asked about it, and he was basically saying, to paraphrase, he was not happy that Brian Cashman put it out there in terms of what the actual money is. He was pissed off about that. And then they asked him about signing with the Yankees long-term, like in free agency, or if he's nervous about going to free agency. He said, well, I'll talk to 30 teams, and the Yankees will be one of them. I mean, I really wish the Red Sox took two of three in that series because that was an absolute joke. Uh, Speaking of jokes in that series, how about Garrett Cole? That guy is soft. Do you hear what he said about the whole celebration before the game, if you will? So that game on Friday was supposed to start at 108. It started at 112 because the festivities took a little bit too long. And if you were watching the pregame stuff, you could actually see it. Garrett Cole is yelling at people. And I don't know if he was yelling directly at Billy Crystal, who was like out there as part of the 
pregame thing where he was yelling at Yankees reps that were, like, organizing the assault. That guy was pissed. And then he gave up three runs in the first inning. And he claimed it was an unforeseen set of circumstances. He blamed giving up those three first inning runs to the late start. It was four minutes. It was an unforeseen challenge. Festivities uh, got a little away from the schedule. I mean, uh, you got to be kidding me. It's a four-minute difference. The guy got over $200 million. He may have gotten $300 million to pitch for the New York Yankees. Like, the biggest franchise in Major League Baseball. And the guy blames his first inning issues on the game starting four minutes later. I mean, that is incredible to me. That is is incredibly soft. But I do want to get back to the Celtics for a second. So the Yankees, I mean, if their season goes south, which, look, they just took two of three from the Red Sox. And by the way, how many arms do those guys have? Loisaga, Chapman, Holmes. That team is loaded when it comes to relievers. Like, you saw Aaron Boone. He's just incredibly confident going to those guys, and why not? So I believe the Yankees are going to be in it all season long. I, Severino threw the ball pretty well the other day. I'm not the biggest Montgomery guy, but of course they have Cole at the front end of the rotation. As long as they start the games on time, it feels like he'll be fine. They actually got shut out tonight by Toronto, three to nothing. So they now dropped to two and two on the season. But I mean, if that season turns south for the Yankees, like if they struggle, they're going to have major problems. I don't know why Brian Cashman is still running that team. Like, he's got to have intel on somebody in the Steinbrenner family. It doesn't make any sense to me why that guy still has a job. He's crying about the fact that they don't... He was asked about not winning a World Series since 09, and he said he doesn't look at that it that way because one of the worst things in, base, in the history of baseball happened in 17 when the Astros cheated. Meanwhile, the Yankees have their own scandal going on where they're trying to keep documents sealed so it doesn't get out there. <laughs> Chris Sale goes on the Greg Hill show. They asked him about it, and Chris Sale basically says, well, other teams are cheating at the sport as well. Not to mention, that's one year. And you're also assuming that you get to the, when you get to the World Series, you win the World Series. You're assuming you do what the Astros did, which there's no guarantee whatsoever. The Astros beat the Dodgers in seven games. There's no guarantee the Yankees win that series. So, I mean, that was incredibly soft by Cat. I don't know why that guy still has a job. But anyway, I want to get back to the Nets for a second. One of the things that scares me, obviously, is Kevin Durant. And if you look at it, so the Celtics have been the best isolation defense in the NBA, and they want teams to play iso ball. The reason they want teams to play iso ball is because they switch everything. So they are baiting you to play isolation basketball, and the Celtics have held up all season long. They've defended 804 possessions in isolation. That's the most in the NBA. As I said, they're inviting it. They want you to play iso ball. Teams shoot just... 36.9% from the field in ISO possessions against the Celtics. That's second in the NBA. Team's effective field goal percentage, which accounts for three-pointers, 39.7%. That is first in the NBA. So despite the fact that the Celtics have defended the most isolation possessions, they're still the best isolation defense in the league, right? So the Nets, here's the issue. The Nets have the most possessions in ISO, 975 offensively. They've scored 983 points in ISO. That's first. Now, some of that is Harden. Their effective field goal percentage is 48.4, which is fifth in the NBA. And here's the real issue. Durant is shooting 51.3% in isolation situations. That's second among players with at least 200 isolation possessions. The only guy better than him in that particular 
criteria is Luka Doncic. So when you look at this, the Celtics' strength all season long is, hey, we can switch everything. We're versatile defenders. We can switch one through five. That's been their motto all season long. That's been their strategy all season long. Durant is one of the rare guys in the league that can actually play against that type of defense and actually have success, right? You want to force teams into isolation because it's very difficult to score that way. The problem is when you face a guy like Kevin Durant, he can actually take advantage of that. But here's the thing I would say, just looking at this series, and look, we'll get into it in greater detail once the Nets actually win that game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But how much can you ask of Durant? He was playing 46 minutes a game in that series last year against the Bucs. And that's when they started to deal with those injuries to Kyrie, to Harden. Well, they don't have Harden anymore. When you look at it from the rest of their team's perspective, Seth Curry's been dealing with injuries. He's not healthy right now. Who the hell knows what's going on with Ben Simmons? And the rest of their team is not good. So Kevin Durant is going to have to play like 46, 47 minutes a night because when they take him off the court, they're absolutely atrocious defensively. So he's going to have to play the majority of the game, and he's going to have to play against a scheme where you're essentially having to play in isolation situations the whole game. He's not getting any easy shots against the Celtics team. So I just feel like the Nets are really up against it when they play against the Celtics, even though Durant thrives in that. How many times can you do that? How many times... Down the court, can you do that? And I thought it was a really honest answer by Durant. When Durant was asked about, hey, if your foot was a little bit back against the Bucks and you hit that three and you guys actually go and to the Eastern Conference Finals, do, do you, like the whole idea of, well, you guys would have won a championship if it wasn't for that, if you your foot was a little further back, Durant said no. Durant said, I don't think I could have held up that long. I was playing 46, 47 minutes a night. That was hard. I don't feel like I could have held up. Durant actually said he didn't think they could have held up him playing that style of basketball with the injuries they were dealing with. Well, they're in the same situation this year, and they're going to play a better defensive team this year than they played all of last season. The Bucks were great defensively. They're not as good as the Celtics. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. I do want to get into one other Celtics note. We'll do that next here on EEI. WEEI Late Night. On Boston Sports Original. WEEI. That rock a little bit, Justin. All right, we are with you until midnight. 617-779-7937. Did the Celtics make a mistake? By getting the number two seed and not tanking, not getting the number four seed. A lot of people upset today with the Celtics. When I look at it in terms of the totality, if it were me, if I was the decision maker, if I was Brad or Ime Adoka, I don't know ultimately who had this decision. I would guess that it was Ime Adoka as the coach of the team. But if I were the Celtics, I would have lost the game. I do really wonder how much of this had to do with Jalen Brown and the vaccination status. But if I was the Celtics, I would have said, you know what, I'll I'll take my chances with Toronto. Toronto's a, I mean, that would be a crappy team to play just from a matchup standpoint. Nick Nurse will try anything. You go back to, remember the NBA Finals a couple of years ago after Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson go down? <laughs> Nick Nurse busts out a box-in-one defense, which I don't remember. I've never seen that in the NBA until Nick Nurse. But, yeah, you see it in high school. You see it in 
not even in college. You don't see that defense. He played it in the NBA. Now, it ended up working for him. And look, the at that particular point in time, the Warriors didn't have any other threats offensively. But he'll do a bunch of random stuff. And I just remember back to that bubble series as well. There's no way that the Celtics should have played a seven-game series with the Toronto Raptors. So they'll junk things up. They'll make it difficult for you. But I still think, okay, you win two games at home. You go to Toronto. Even if you split that, you come back home three to one. You win game five. So I do feel like that to me. The Celtics are significantly more talented than that Raptors team. The Celtics team this year is significantly better than the team in the bubble two years ago. So I still feel like the Celtics win that series relatively easily in five games, even if Jalen cannot go across the border. So if it were me, I would just rather avoid Kevin Durant and to a lesser extent, avoid Kyrie Irving in the first round of the postseason. But I do feel like we're going to come back. That's just my strategy. That's what I would have done. But I can't like find the ability to get angry over what the Celtics did. And I know a lot of people are angry about it. I just can't muster that up. I'm not angry about it. I'm not angry about the fact that they said, all right, screw it. We'll take the two seed. We'll take on the Brooklyn Nets. If this was the Brooklyn Nets from last year, that entering the postseason had a healthy Kevin Durant, had a healthy James Harden, had a healthy Kyrie Irving. And I know Durant and Kyrie are healthy right now. But if they had a full healthy team and... At that time, that looked like the best offense in NBA history by the numbers. I'm not just, like, making it up by watching them. I'm saying they legitimately, from the numbers perspective, had the best offense in NBA history. If that was the case, okay, yeah. Like, they just got their guys healthy. Like, this is the hypothetical, and now they're ready to go. Yeah, I would avoid them. But this Nets team, they suck defensively. They're inconsistent offensively with the exception of when Kyrie and Kevin Durant are actually out there and out there often. Like, they have not been the same team when Kevin Durant sits on the bench at any point in time, like they completely fall apart with Kyrie Irving ever since he became a full-time player. Now he was good in like the, at the, the last game of the, or the second to last game of the season, but Kyrie Irving, since being like a full-time player again, when he doesn't get like a week in between games, he has not been the same player. He was great for the majority of the season from a, efficiency standpoint because the fact like this is pretty sweet like I'm an NBA player I'm only playing like every seven days now but if you look at it in terms of when he started ramping it up and actually becoming like I don't know a full-time player again wasn't the same I mean look at the stretch of games in terms of when he became a full-time player Miami four of 11 Charlotte six of 22 and Charlotte's a horrible defensive team Detroit he was okay in that one seven of 18 but then he goes nine of 22 against Milwaukee 12 of 32, 13 of 29 of 26, 7 of 22, 7 of 22. So Kyrie Irving isn't right now at the point where he's used to having all these games in a row. Now, look, in the NBA playoffs, you get like at least a day in between. Sometimes you get two days in between when you go on the road. But Kyrie Irving hasn't really been doing this all season long. And ever since he's been doing it, he's been back to being a full-time player. He hasn't been the same. And I just look at that team. They have a lot of deficiencies. First of all, Joe Harris was their best shooter outside of Durant and Kyrie in terms of a guy that spaces the floor for them. They don't have that guy anymore. Bruce Brown is not a good offensive player. He's a good defensive player. Seth Curry is an atrocious defensive player. Good offensive player, but he's dealing with an injury. They have, like, a lot of guys that are the same type of player. They have Goran Dragic. They have Patty Mills, and they have Seth Curry. Small guards that are not good defensive players. I just feel like when you look at that Brooklyn Nets team, There are so many spots where the Celtics can attack them defensively. 
and they really don't have a way to counter that, right? So you can attack Curry, you can attack Dragic, you can attack Patty Mills, you can attack Kyrie Irving. Like, these are the main players we're talking about for the Brooklyn Nets. The only guy, really, that you look at that you can't say, you're probably not going to target a guy like Bruce Brown. He's a pretty good defender, but it's not like you're afraid. If you're Tatum or Brown, you'll go right at that guy, and they'll be able to score on that guy easily. But the only guy that's, like, a good defensive player for them, Kevin Durant, that's it. Like, they do not have good defensive players. They play LaMarcus Aldridge. Blake Griffin has not been the same player this year as he was a season ago when he first got over to the Brooklyn Nets. But in totality, they do not have good defensive personnel. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden you get to the postseason and you can turn it up. Like, if you remember back to the second Warriors team with Durant that won the championship his second year there, they weren't a great defensive team in the regular season. They were like 11th. But once they got to the postseason, they picked it up. Same thing can be said with the Shaq and Kobe Lakers in 2001 when they only lost one playoff game. They were 21st in defense that year. But once they got into the postseason, they turned it up because they did have good defensive personnel. They were just going through the motions. That's the difference between those teams and Brooklyn. This team in Brooklyn does not have good defensive personnel with the exception of Kevin Durant. So I just feel like this matchup for the Celtics, they are going to wear them down and they are going to take advantage of the opposition having piss poor defenders. We saw the Celtics do this during the regular season. When they saw weak spots on with the opposition, they went after him. They went after John Morant a couple of times. It, when the Heat got, when they play the Heat, you can go after Tyler Hero. You can go after Duncan Robinson. The Celtics are going to do the same thing to this Nets team. So I don't expect, I would expect the Celtics to win this series in five, six games. I don't think they're going to be, Durant will have his game or two, but the Celtics are going to be able to win that series. All right, thanks to Justin Turpin for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow night from 6 to 10. Have a great night. Everybody be safe and be well. Mike Milbury on the Greg Hill Show, chatting Bruins. You know, we talked about this right from day one. Their schedule was so jam-packed. Uh, and, and, and they're right there to be maybe moving up in the standings. And there's a temptation to go to some of your, your big guys a little more often. But I don't think you can afford to do that. I think you have to spread out the ice time, do the best you can, keep everybody healthy, and let the chips fall where they may. Miss Mike Milbury on The Greg Hill Show? Listen to it on demand anywhere, anytime. Download the Odyssey app and take Boston sports with you everywhere you go. W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. New England sports original. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.